Hello and welcome to episode 23 of Late Night Linux Extra. I'm Joe. And this time we've got something a little bit different. A few weeks ago, we got an email from a guy called Orlando saying that he wanted to tell us all about how great Arch was and how for some users it's the perfect distro or at least the perfect base for a distro. And he wanted to tell us all about the specific Arch derivative that he uses and why it's great and that he was happy to jump on Mumble to do so. And so I thought, well, why not record that? And so I asked Chris, who you may know from talking about Chromebooks on the main show and from the various recordings of the meetups that we've been having, I asked him to join me to talk to this guy, Orlando. And so that's what you'll be hearing today. But before we get to that, just a quick thank you to everyone who supports us with PayPal and Patreon. We really do appreciate that. You can learn more at latenightlinux.com slash support. And remember, for $5 a month or more on Patreon, you can get an advert-free RSS feed. And that includes the main show and Late Night Linux Extra. So, let's get straight on with that chat then. Welcome to the show, Orlando. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Joe. So you sent us an email saying that uh, we should try out Arctix Linux, and that it was Arch-based, and that you wanted to talk about how great Arch-based distros were. Mm -hmm. And uh, you said you were happy to jump on Mumble, so here we are. So, first of all, why Arctix Linux? Arctix Linux is part of a family of Arch-based distros, which are essentially just Arch, but without SystemD. I'm not one of those people that goes completely insane when they hear SystemD. I think it's a brilliant project for anything which needs to just work, where it doesn't really matter what the user choice options are. I just have a problem with SystemD in the way that it is built as this sort of monolithic application where it takes up multiple different functions on the system. It's no longer just in it. It also does a hell of a lot of other things, but it is not built as like really separate modules, which you can swap out for alternatives. It's like either you have SystemD in all of its capacity or you don't have it at all, which I think is just kind of, it doesn't really fit with the ethos of, you know, many open source projects of allowing user freedom and choice because it's, well, the distro maintainers have chosen this. And you, if there is one function of it where you don't like the way it does that, then you have a hell of a hard time trying to swap it out. So I use Artix, where I have the choice of three non-system D init systems, which are Runit, S6, and OpenRC. And uh, I really enjoy the freedom it gives me. I didn't expect this to be uh, system D talk straight away, but um, what about things like snaps that depend on system D? And like, doesn't it give you um, problems not having system D? Not anymore. It did when I first started using it. But you very quickly adapt to things like not having snaps. I've never really used snaps much, especially on something that's Arch-based because you have the AUR right there, which is one of you know the best things about Arch-based distros. So um, I really haven't had any problems with not having system D. There were a couple of things. I can't remember what they were years ago when I first started using Artix where I had issues with that. But ever since I got around those couple of minor changes I needed to make on use this app instead of that for doing something, then I've not had anything. It's been plain sailing. And so why Arch above all other distros then? Why are you such a, an evangelist for it? Um, 
by the way you use Arch. Yeah, exactly. You know, got to get a massive sticker. You know, somebody should do a, like they should start selling massive stickers put on cars just by the way I use Arch. <laughs> then people know who to crash into. <laughs> now, I think Arch is one of the best distros for people who have the time to use it and who it doesn't really matter if just one day their system minorly breaks. There've only been a couple of times in Arch's existence where it has majorly broken. I think it was maybe on the last late night Linux Extra or maybe a couple of ones ago. I can't remember when somebody was talking about uh, why they were using their distro. I think it was a couple of ones ago. Um, and they said I was using Arch until there was, you know, X update that massively broke it. There haven't really been many of those updates. So it's just this rolling release system that gives you a hell of a lot of customization. It doesn't break, I feel, as much as something like Ubuntu does, at least when I was using Ubuntu and base distros. It just sort of tends to work. You say that, but me and Chris are sitting here using Ubuntu-based distros, and we got on this mumble chat, no problem, whereas it took you about 10 minutes to get it sorted out, and then you couldn't um, turn the volume down, so it was all echoing back and stuff. Like, Is that not a symptom of using Arch, which is... That's a symptom of grabbing my microphone and headset from my PC, then switching them, just plugging them into my laptop that never uses them, and then having to you know, go through the whole, oh yeah, these new devices, can you actually recognize them and use them? Because mumble wasn't at all set up for that. Didn't you say, or did I mishear you? Didn't you say that you had rebuilt your system recently and that's why you didn't have Pavu control installed? Is that right or did I mishear you? Yes, that was 100% my fault. Um, well, it wasn't really my fault. It's my fault for trying to dual boot with Windows because I need it for a couple of applications. And, you know, props to the Microsoft developers. They somehow found a way to, in one of the recent updates, it seemed that when it recognized I had, I was dual booting with Linux, it just decided to freak out and somehow forced a uh, BIOS reset every time it tried to install the update and freaked out. So I ended up just uninstalling it, doing the update, then installing it again. Yeah, the dual boot nightmare has bitten me historically so i have uh refined which i'm a big fan of just on a usb stick always nearby because that kind of helps you boot you can basically select a kernel directly from the boot partition and boot from it and overcome anything that windows has decided to do with your system and then restore it you don't have to use like the boot rescue cd or mm. um crew into your install like you might have had to do before it's just handy to have but yeah dual booting is a it's better now i don't experience as many breakages from windows as i used to but it does still interfere with with the dual boot system <laughs> i used to use a surface device so that was really the worst possible dual boot experience yeah because you're now on microsoft designed hardware mm. so you know that's of course not going to play well and how often do you update your arch based systems then regularly i'm not at all consistent with it there have been a couple of times where i've gone and done something else or i haven't used that system for a while and then i've you know logged back on gotten pac-man you know dash syyu gone for that full you know upgrade and it's been like yeah we're going to be sitting here for half an hour as we go through like the past two weeks worth of updates most of the time i try and every couple of days just go through update everything to keep on top of it and 
generally works fine. Because I've heard horror stories of machines that haven't been updated for a few months, and then they get updated and things just break. But then I've also heard stories, um, my friend Alex, he shipped his computer from the UK to the US when he moved there. And I mean, literally shipped it in a container. So it took months and months and months. And he got it out, plugged it in, did a, a Pac-Man SYU, and you know, had to wait a little while for it to do the updates, but it worked perfectly. So I've heard it to be hit and miss, let's put it that way. And so that puts me off. I mean, I update daily my Ubuntu boxes because I know that nothing huge is going to change there. But um, with Arch, like, you can get pretty big changes in these updates, can't you? Like, you get a lot of feature updates and new versions of stuff all the time. That's kind of the point of Arch. But doesn't that mean that you end up with nasty surprises sometimes? Depends upon what software you're updating. You aren't going to really get nasty surprises if you don't have the kind of software which would be prone to having unwelcome changes. So I would say the more apps that have, the more of anything that has a complex GUI to it, the more likely you are to have unwanted change because it'll be, oh, they've decided to move all the buttons around for no reason. Mm. But if most of what you're doing is more centered around TUI-based apps, you really don't see any change in terms of how you interact with them. It's all you will get is an added feature every now and then. You won't really get um, massive changes. Yeah. I think the thing for me is that um, I have quite a lot of machines. I've got a bit of a compulsion. I don't think I'm at Popey's ThinkPad extensive collection levels yet, but I do have quite a lot of computers, some of which I don't use for quite a while. And I have never had an experience where I've left it for ages and carried out lots of updates when I'm running Ubuntu LTS and it's broken. It might take a while to carry out the updates. Now, I haven't daily driven Arch extensively, but what I have done is I, I set up like a daily driver VM and kept trying to use it as if it was a physical laptop. And I forgot about it for ages. And then I signed back into it and it just catastrophically failed. Like, and it was my fault because I was definitely going against the grain. Like when you look through the release notes of what had changed between <laughs> when I was had last updated it and when I ran the updates, it was clear that it was going to break because I was jumping way too many changes. But that's one of the reasons that's put me off. Like on my daily driver machine, which I boot every day, I run updates more than once a day. But my other machines, I really don't. Sometimes they can sit because they have a specific use. And I'd be worried about getting out of my bag, doing a Pac-Man update and then being like, oh no, oh no, no, no. <laughs> and then not being able to use that machine. Yeah, that's definitely valid. I would not recommend anybody consider running Arch on the system that they are going to be leaving like that. That's always going to end up with a bad time and a broken install. But if you, you know, again, I said it's good if people have the time for it. If you do have the time to just for that system, you know, update it. If you do have the time to, if you haven't updated it in a while, just make sure you go and quickly check and see if anyone's saying, oh, if you're doing that, it breaks, then it's a really good system. But if you just leave it alone, for ages and then try and update it, it is never going to be happy about that. Okay, this episode is sponsored by CBT Nuggets, training for IT professionals or anyone looking to build IT skills. Go to cbtnuggets.com slash late night Linux 
and sign up for a seven-day free trial. I've just started my learning journey with CBT Nuggets, but I've already picked up tons of knowledge from the short and manageable videos in the Docker and Network Fundamentals courses. Their in-house trainers are active and certified IT professionals who add around 40 hours of new training to the course catalogue each week, so you can always stay current and up-to-date. So start your free seven-day trial today at cbtnuggets.com slash late-night-linux. It includes unlimited access to all course materials, including virtual labs. That's cbtnuggets.com slash late-night-linux. So I hadn't looked at Arch for a while, and then Joe told me about this. So I booted up a, a VM, and I was intrigued because there's now an installer One of the things I found difficult about Arch previously installing it is there was too much choice in the installer, which is a great feature, but also wasn't necessarily what I was looking for. So we're talking about every single step of the way. How do you want to administer your network? Oh, there's six choices in the wiki. Well, I don't know any of those and I don't know which one I should use. And there is no answer to should. It's a freedom of choice. So I use the new installer and I did quite like it. It was still very text-based compared to, say, Ubiquity, if you're installing any kind of flavor of Ubuntu. And there was still options. So the network option was, do you want to directly configure the interface or do you want to configure Network Manager? And there was no explanation of what that was. But there was some good kind of you know, number-based choices, locale. Actually, no, you had to type your locale in manually, but you could pick a desktop environment from a list with a number. You could pick a profile for the machine, whether it was a desktop or a server. Installed Pipewire out of the box, which was nice, and obviously seems to be where everyone's going. So it was quite a nice experience, but it still wasn't... And I'm thinking not just of myself, but like slightly less experienced users. Like I know that they're continuing to work on the installers, definitely a work in progress. And also the numbered options stopped halfway through. And then it said, which additional packages would you like to install? For example, you could type Firefox, but there was no list or anything. So you had to know the package names from Arch. And also it doesn't have the AUR set up out of the box. So there's some pros and cons. And I think that's a good thing that that's there for people alongside the old-fashioned way of installing it, which is the wiki refers to both of them. But yeah, it's, it's you know, I guess maybe it's not for those people because of the other things that we've said, but it, it would be nice that that is there as an option. Now, you don't run Arch like that though, do you? Does Artix come with an installer in that way or its own installer? There is a couple of different releases of Artix. They do have, you know, the ISOs you can download that have a nice installer and they have a desktop environment pre-installed. But that's a desktop environment and we can't be having that, can we? So, no, I just do the bare bones install and instead I use, you know, DWM, so window manager. And at first it was one of the most daunting things I had ever done on my computer, installing it. Once you do it a couple of times, It starts to go from something where you're worried where you'll mess it up to, oh, I wonder how fast I can do it this time. You get very, very good at doing it very quickly. So I was just finding it funny with, oh, would you like to configure Network Manager? Because I immediately know what that is. Um, Network Manager is exactly as it sounds, a Network Manager. You tend to interface with it with the NMCLI, Network Manager CLI uh, command. 
and it works brilliantly. But those are things that I wouldn't have known installing it first. Those are things that you don't know, even though you're an experienced Linux user, mainly because it's only something that you interact with in Arch. And that is why you are not meant to install Arch if you are a new user. So I think the installer is good and it's a good project and it's something that they should work on. But even if you fully properly get it installed, it will still be an awful experience as a new user of Linux or an inexperienced one. So I feel that sort of labeling it as something to help people who aren't very experienced with Linux isn't really fair to what I think it's trying to do because right now I just do not think Arch as a whole is ready to try and be a home for new users of Linux. To clarify what I mean, if you go to the Arch wiki, DHCP, there's two choices. Servers for DHCP D or DNS mask, there's three. For network managers, there's five. That's what I'm talking about. Not just do I understand what network manager is. It's that unless you have something taking you through, you can build your system. I'm, I'm not good at maths, but if you were to work out the permutations of those three choices, then that's the problem for me. It's not necessarily about, you know, if I go to Ask Ubuntu and I post a bug, then if I'm running an LTS, then the developers know what stack is created. If I go to the Arch forums, which permutation of all of those choices am I running? Now that's fine if I have the time. So like I agree with you when you say like it's the time, but it's not just about knowledge. It's about the time. And for me, I cannot be bothered. <laughs> I cannot be bothered to be doing that. I'm not interested. I want to get on the internet and get my day going. I don't want to choose from one of a list of permutations of A plus B plus C, like which have I chosen? So that's what I meant by that in more detail rather than just, just for new users. It's it's too flexible for me. And that's why I think the guided installer is quite good because it's a way to stand up a system which is known to work. Whereas if you start installing Conman and Kia, then you're not going to get much support. And it comes back to what that guy who develops Lutris was saying, like, I'm not going to support Lutris for you if you're running Void on some weird system architecture. So th that's where it starts to become a difficult thing. And if it's your jam, then I totally get it. But it's not mine. Yeah, it's definitely a time investment if something breaks and you don't know how to fix it. And I think that this sort of getting a system up in a known working state is probably what the uh, installer is aiming to do. And it's good for that. But also on the sort of A plus B plus C, that is very much the sort of first response to any question on the R2 forums. It's what are you running? And when you're installing, it's like, oh, what do I want to do? I'll choose A, B, and C. And what does that equal? Oh, it equals I forgot to run grub make config. And then you've got the CH root into it and continue the installation back from the live USB. Very easy to mess up the text-based install. Uh, so I 100% get sort of what you're saying with how useful that guided install system can be. Well, that's where surely things like Endeavor OS and Manjaro come in. That's all pre-configured, really easy to install, and uh, 
makes it just easy to get Arch up and running. I mean, how do you feel about those kind of distros? I think they're great. I prefer Manjaro over Endeavor. Manjaro, in my opinion, is one of the best sort of easy Linux systems. You know, it's very easy to install. It's easy to use because it's a rolling release. But it is sort of like, I'm not sure exactly how it runs with Manjaro, but it's sort of like set back a bit from where mainline arches in terms of its releases so all of the really big problems that could occur and historically have occurred every now and then with arch and its updates you know those the couple of times that's happened it's been caught before it could end up to manjaro and so they haven't really had those same issues i think manjaro and i'm not i don't know enough about endeavor but from what i know also endeavor are the best of both worlds if you're looking for these benefits that you get with arch of things like pac-man and just sort of the way it feels to use but you don't sort of have the time to do all the arch stuff that comes along with that is it better to have the barrier of entry of installing arch properly though because in order to get arch up and running you have to follow instructions very carefully make decisions that you might not necessarily understand like you were talking about chris but like, at least when you get to the end of it, you have a broader understanding of how the system is put together. And it's, uh, it's almost like getting a degree. Like Most of the time when you apply for a job, having a degree just means that you're willing to stick to something for two or three years and do all the work that goes along with that. And like having installed Arch, once you get a system up and running for the first time, then you've invested so much time in it that it's worth then solving other problems. You're not just going to give up. Whereas if you install Ubuntu or SUSE or whatever, and you have problems with that, it's so easy to get it installed in the first place that you can just blow it away and go for something else. And so is that not a downside of the simpler distros like Artix and Endeavor and Manjaro? It is, but also it isn't. Because when you are using like these easier installers for Artix or if you're using Manjaro or Endeavor, you're avoiding a lot of the issues that you need to solve if you're doing a bare bones install of Artix or Arch or other very similar sort of bare bones install Arch based distros. So you're avoiding lots of those problems that you then need to solve with the custom installs. So it's sort of like it doesn't really have an effect because you aren't encountering those issues that you would you can pay for on something like Ubuntu because it is a pre-configured system. But I very much agree with your sort of idea of it's like a degree that you just sort of stuck with it and you want to fix it. But also what if you're using your own install and you've gone through that text-based setup, then you have an understanding of what is in that system off the bat to a level far greater than someone who's just installed Ubuntu and whatever's in the latest update and whatever changes they've made there. Because you have gone through and chosen from a very, very wide range of choice whatever the packages are that you want and you now know what is in your system. So not only is it the time investment you've made, but it's also when you do encounter issues they're a lot easier to fix than if they were on a system like Ubuntu because you have a greater understanding of your system. How does the Arch community view something like Artix? Because I know 
not everyone, I'm not saying the whole community, but I know previously I've seen some posts where Arch users have said, well, you're not running Arch because you're running Manjaro. So go on the Manjaro forums for help. How's your experience been for getting help with uh, Arctix? Manjaro, the reason why it's go on the Manjaro forums is I think a couple of reasons. Mainly it is so big. Manjaro, if you look at you know, the whole user population of people using Arch-based distros or Arch itself. Manjaro is a huge proportion of that because of how good of a distro it is. It's brilliant. So you don't want Manjaro users sort of clogging up the Arch user forums when they have their own forum where they have plenty of people willing to answer their questions. I haven't experienced that for Artix. And I think that's partially because it's smaller and also partially because I'm at least using a bare bones install. So I've had to go through a lot of the same process that the Arch users have. The just difference is when it came time for them to install systemd, I didn't. To pick you up on the systemd thing, if you haven't seen it already, there's a really good talk by Ben O'Rice called The Tragedy of systemd. And I've, I've had my moments of systemd doubt um, I'm pretty much on board with it, especially once I started scripting things that go into journal CTL, I start to see how useful it is. It still winds me up sometimes, but if you haven't seen it, I really, it, it's been going around a few of the telegram groups, like the Linux telegram groups recently again, and he puts forward a really good explanation of why the, the argument you put forward is the first thing he tackles is doing too much. And he goes back to the roots of why it was invented and where it's come from in terms of its kind of lineage, if you like. So uh, have you seen it or? Uh, I haven't, but just on the sort of it's doing too much. My issue with it isn't that it's doing too much. My issue with it is that it's not sort of modular in the way in when it does that. So if you, it's not really the best example of how things should be done. But if you look at an X server like Xorg, you have the base package but then it also does a lot of other things and you install that separately if you want to. So you can swap that out with other things. I think systemd should keep doing everything it's doing and I would be a massive supporter of it if it was just modular in the way it sort of worked. If it wasn't just this one sort of monolithic project that you could interact with in a couple of different ways. If you could if you wanted to easily swap out one section of it then i would be a massive supporter of it but because you can't i don't really like it honestly check out the talk like i'm not trying to convert you <laughs> like some kind of evangelist but he does cover that as well and he covers why the way system d does it is a good idea so but yeah, he, he's much, much better at explaining it than me. So I'm not even going to attempt to do like a paraphrase of it because it's quite a long talk. He does regularly and he's rightly booked for a lot of conferences to re-deliver it all the time. So it's on YouTube though, in full. Yeah, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Um, yeah, well, just wait for systemd, harmd to fully take off and uh, containerd and all the rest of it and you'll feel well left behind. <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah, thank you very much for coming on and uh, telling us by the way, that you use Arch. And uh, yeah, maybe talk to you again at some point. Yeah. And uh, if either of you guys do decide to, uh, to you know, fire up Arch and uh, give it a try, then uh, I also recommend trying some kind of tiling window manager, you know, to get the full experience of pain. <laughs> Are you a full-on <laughs> i3 ricer? i3? 
No, 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 no. I3 is way too inefficient. DWM. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm even worse than an I3 user, man.